verse in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 22. We'll begin reading verse number 1. See if you can pick out where I'm going to go tonight. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Azahiah his young, youngest son king in his stead. For the band of men that came with the Arabians to the camp had slain all the eldest. So Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. Forty and two years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the daughter. Omri. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was a counselor to do wickedly. Wherefore he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father to his. He walked also after their counsel. And went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war against Haziel, king of Syria, at Ramoth-Gilead. And the Syrians smote Joram. And he returned to be healed in Jezreel because of the wounds which were given him at Ramoth. When he fought against Haziel, king of Syria, Azariah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, at Jezreel, because he was sick. And the destruction of Ahaziah was of God by coming to Jeho Joram. For when he was come, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to cut off the throne of of Ahab. I'd like to teach tonight on destructive counsel. Destructive counsel. Several places in this passage of scripture, as in verse 3, he also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. Wherefore he did evil in the sight of the Lord like the house of Ahab. For they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Savior, we love you for your word, your truth, and those things that are right. We ask you to have your way with the word of God tonight in our hearts uh, to make us what we ought to be in you. Keep us, I pray, by the guidance of your presence and work. We ask these things in the wonderful name of the Lord. And somebody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Counsel is something that can be taken from an individual either because of respect or desire for something that they do or think they ought to be. You can sometimes listen to the wrong advice. The passage of Scripture that I have read to you speaks of a war, and it speaks of men, speaks of their counsel, 
and most of it was destructive. Ahab was one of the most wicked kings of Israel, among the most wicked of the leaders of Israel over many others. At his death, others came to power, but the thing that drew, drove, drove most of them was the advice that they got, and sometimes and many times it was wrong advice. This passage of scripture said that Ahaziah reigned, but he listened to his mother who gave wrong advice. In fact, it said that he listened to his counselors after Ahab's death to his own destruction. Today's world, there are so many voices and so many things to be said so many things to be heard, and you must be very careful on what you listen to. The radio is full of things. Religious people are everywhere, many of them speaking of things that are not biblical. It's one thing to listen to a song, maybe, but it's quite another to listen to preachers that may not be preaching truth. You get confused by that. You need to run by your pastor those areas that you're going to listen to before you start listening or following certain people in our world. In fact, just to state it clearly and plainly, there are so many radio preachers, television preachers, or whatever that are never in your home and never there for you when you need them. And you can listen to the wrong advice and the wrong counsel. Paul wrote these words in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 6, verse number 1. said, let as many, as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. Verse 3, he went on with this and said, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness. That's a powerful verse of scripture. Men of corrupt minds that are destitute of truth, supposing that money, gain, popularity, esteem, is godliness. Then he gives us an admonition. He said, from such withdraw thyself. We're not usually a people that withdraw ourselves. We're usually not a people that want to be seen as arrogant or know-it-all. But there are some elements of our world that you need to learn how to withdraw yourself from. Every once in a while, even in a church, there are times that you need to be careful who you listen to. 
the outset of our lesson tonight, I'll just make it emphatic and straight. Anybody that would like to destroy God's church, you don't need to listen to them. People that would like to destroy the work of this church, you don't listen to them. They're counselors that are deceptive, that works against the kingdom of God. And it's, it's so easy to get caught up in things and say things about different parts of the church or departments of the church or the work of God and not realizing that young souls have not the strength or the wisdom sometimes to make decisions right. And they listen and sometimes are thrown into chaos. It's time for the mature church of God to understand that the best thing going is an apostolic church and we're not going to destroy it. We're not going to destroy it. So he said, from such, turn away. We're not an arrogant people when we turn away from things that are not right and statements that are not right. We're not an arrogant people that turn away from worldliness and ungodliness. But we are a people that knows how to worship and how to live for God. And we need to help younger ones live for God without pointing fingers at other people. The, the destructive part of a church can so quickly destroy what God wants for a church by picking at little things. I think it's time that we listen to the man of God, we listen to the word of God, and we stand for what's right in life, the church, and in godliness. He went on to say these words in verse number 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that would be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many hurtful and foolish lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. There are things that may seem right and seem healthy and seem well, but they can be that which would drown us in destruction. We need to learn what it is to listen to the voice of God that comes across the pulpit. We listen to the word of God that comes to our spirits through the word of God. And the Bible said, The love of money is the root of all evil, which some coveted after have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, verse 11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, patience, meekness. Here is the answer. And he goes on to say in verse number 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on things that are lasting, whereunto thou hast also been called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. When you learn how to choose right things and hear right things uh, and respond to right things, uh, you can become a helper of other people because so many people are weak in their thinking and they are so caught up with flashy things and, and momentary things and passing things uh, that eternal things doesn't mean much to them anymore. But we as apostolics that have grown up in the church and been in the church, we need to stand for this church like never before. You know what I feel? 
I feel that we're on the brink of another great move of God, but the enemy is working behind the scenes uh, and trying his best to destroy the very work that God wants to bring about. But I think it's time the church stands up and says, you know what? This is our church. This is our territory. This is where we belong. We are the children of the Most High God, and nothing is going to destroy us. Nothing's going to take us away from this. We're going to make it, and we're going to live for God and do what's right. Somebody ought to shout with me. Deceptive counselors to their own destruction, to their own destruction. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even there shall be false teachers among you who privately, secretly shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. Not brought them, but bought them. When you realize what God has done in bringing you out of a world of confusion and brought you into an apostolic church, you ought to have your mind so made up to live for God that nobody could ever take you away from God. Nobody could ever take you away from His Word. Words have meanings, and word ha words has way of convincing people. And so he said that there's those that would come in among you who privately sneaking around, talking behind people's backs, uh, privately bringing in damnable heresies, uh, even denying the Lord that bought them. How in God's green world could somebody deny that Jesus Christ paid the price to save you from a devil's hell and raise you to walk in newness of life in the kingdom of God where there's peace and joy and righteousness forever in the kingdom of God. I think the church ought to rise to the challenge today and recognize our world does not want truth like we have it uh, until they can see a church that will stand during the times of trouble. Trouble will always be here. Trouble will always come. Sin will always have its rampage. But there's a group of people, I believe, in this church that's willing to stand up and say, Devil, you're not crossing our territory. World, you're not crossing our territory. This is God's house. We're standing for what's right. This is an apostolic church. We love God. We love his word. We love one another. We're going to watch God do a great work damnable heresies that brings swift destruction upon themselves. The sad thing that happens once in a while, you see somebody come in and they're like a candle burning on both ends. They're fired up and fiery and so excited, but they've never learned how to rightly divide the word of truth. New converts need stability. They need strength. They need a church that's ready to stand against all the obstacles of the enemy because new converts need, need to understand that a church will stand with them. They don't need to hear what's going on on the backside of the church somewhere. They don't need to hear the struggles, the struggles and troubles that's going on in the church. They need to hear that we're going to be overcomers uh, and we're going to make it. We're going to pray for those that are weak, pray for those that are struggling, but we're going to stand for righteousness and stand for truth. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And then you see them float out. And what a heartbreak. What a breaking of our heart it is to see somebody come 
pray through, baptize in Jesus' name, has a real touch of God on their life, and then somebody pulls them away from the church or begins to talk bad about the church or a department of the church, uh, and it's not long until their little root of bitterness, just a little root of bitterness, just a little root of bitterness, and defile many. You know, when things start happening uh, and that little root begins to grow, somewhere we have to get strong enough to say, I'm not letting that grow in me. I'm not going to let bitterness grow in me. I'm not going to let hurt feelings grow in me. I'm not going to try to destroy the very thing that bought me, brought me, saved me, called me, delivered me, gave me hope. I'm going to fight for this church. Hallelujah. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by the reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And that's happened outside the church. Our world is getting where very few people even attend church anymore as a whole, percentage-wise. Churches are empty. Large, large churches are large charismatic churches. Many of them are closing. Large denominal churches, what we'd call mainline churches. Uh, there's not very many people attending them anymore. A lot of them are closing their doors. You know why? Because they went off on tangents built upon man rather than what's built upon truth and the word of God. This church stands for the word of God. This church stands for truth. We take the word of God, we preach it, we believe it, we live by it. So he went on to say that through covetous they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now for a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. Then he went on to this, and listen to what he says here. Verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and account that the long-suffering, well, this is 2 Peter 3.15, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. God has given to us a real understanding today. And so when we read like the books of First and Second Peter and we see that God is trying to help us understand that God brought judgment to the angels. The angels were fallen angels, and I happen to believe that they were cast out of heaven. They landed probably on a, a created world, and it caused havoc and trouble and destroyed the world, and God had to redo the earth and make it even better. And here we are today facing a conflict in our world where many things are going wrong, but the church should never go wrong. The church should always be right and stand up for truth. Well, hallelujah. Noah preached a message that was not popular in his day. In fact, he was the only one out of the whole society. He, his wife, and children, and their wives were the only ones that were saved out of that world. Don't ever get to feeling bad that you are the only one on the job. You're the only one at work that may be standing for truth. You're the only one that dresses like a Christian. Don't feel bad about that. 
Remember Noah, he preached a long time. He would gather wood. His boys would go out and gather wood. And they would build a while and they would preach a while. They would build a while and they would preach a while. They would build a while and they would preach a while. That's the same way it is in church today. We gather a few things and a few people together and we'll preach a while. And we'll gather some more people together and we'll preach a while. At the same time, the world's mocking us. The world's making fun of us. Uh, but that doesn't stop the church. That doesn't stop truth. That doesn't stop the desire of people to live for God. We need to make up our mind. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. So 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 said, An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. God is not slack concerning his promise. He's waiting. I don't know altogether why he's waiting, but it's long-suffering. It's waiting on us. It's salvation for some. Some that was not saved last year are saved this year. The sad part about it is uh, that some that were saved last year are not saved this year. You know why? They won't listen to the word of God. And they think God's never coming back. And so I'm just throwing in the towel. We need to live for God like he's coming back today. We need to live for God like his imminent return. Paul wrote about it. And that's what he's saying here. Verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, uh, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or wrestle with, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. The Bible is pretty plain. Though a fool or a wayfaring man need not err therein, the scripture said, if you study the scripture and let scripture interpret scripture, you will be able to understand the word of God. Some parts of it, maybe not able to grasp like all of the genealogies and all of the Old Testament scriptures that may not have a lot of relevance to us today in an open way, but underneath there, there for our learning and examples. Uh, but there's people that wrestle with some of the scriptures. Uh, they're unlearned in the scriptures, and they, they follow creeds rather than the doctrine of the Bible. They'll follow writings of other people rather than the doctrines of the Bible. But I'm convinced today that you can read the New Testament and understand it if you'll let the Holy Ghost guide you. 17th verse, ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also be led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfast, fall from your own steadfastness, fall from your own steadfastness. If I could somehow help you today to stand and prop up yourself in the word of God so that you're not led away with the air of the wicked. Our world is full of wickedness. There's nothing in our world that's bringing about things that are better. They don't have solutions. They're arguing about things they don't even know the answers for. They're trying to find solutions where in their realm there are no answers. You know what the best answer for a drug addict is? It's an apostolic altar. 
It's an apostolic church. You know what the best answer for a drunkard is? It's an apostolic church. Somebody that's so caught up in the world, you know what the answer is? An apostolic church. But that means that we have to be strong in the midst of trouble. We have to be strong in the midst of sorrow. We have to be strong in the midst of failure. We have to be strong when everything else seems like it's falling apart. No, sir, the church is going to stand and we're going to rise above it all because God has promised this church is going in the rapture. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Be careful that you don't fall from your own steadfastness. Psalms 35 and 17. Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their destructions and my darlings from the lions. And I add the roaring lion, the roaring lion. The psalmist David don't know exactly all that he was going through at the moment when he wrote this. He may have been running for his very life as he had done on occasions. And he had made some failures in his life. But in it all, he made up his mind. I am determined and nothing is going to destroy me. How long are you going to look on, Lord? It seems as though he was in the predicaments of struggle, possible destruction. He may have just ran for his life as a javelin was thrown in the palace room at him. And he's out hiding for his life, running for his life. How long are you going to look on, God? Rescue me from their destruction. And I say... From the roaring lion, the devil. If we as a church could get to the place where we're running for whatever we're running from, we're facing whatever we're facing, if we could recognize calling on the name of the Lord is the answer that will help us. Prayer will help us, save us. Verse 18 of that 35th chapter, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. Verse 18, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation, and I will praise thee among much people. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me, neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without cause. For they speak not peace, but they devise deceitful matters against them that are quiet in the land. Oh, hallelujah. You know what I'm going to do when it seems like everything is faltering around, it seems like everything's going bad? I'm just going to start giving God thanks in the great sanctuary. I'm going to give God thanks in the great congregation. I believe there's people in this church that would have fallen and failed and walked away. But somebody else came by and said, oh, no, you're not going anywhere. We're standing with you. We're standing with right we're going to stand with right. We're going to stand with right principles. We're going to stand with truth. 
We're going to stand with the pastor's decisions. We're going to do what's right to save our souls. The long run, the long run, we have to live for God. That's all there is to it. Let not them that are my enemies re wrongfully rejoice over me. My. Can you imagine what all David went through? All that he faced? He was anointed king and yet had to run for his life. He was anointed king and took 25 plus years before he ever reached the goal. He went through the struggles of life and the rejections of life and the loss of friends and, and all that he went through, but he endured. And one day he was crowned. Oh, hallelujah. If you could just stop long enough to realize uh, this race is worth running and we're going to be crowned. Hallelujah. Psalms 107 and 20. I like this. This is a powerful scripture. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. When you have destructive counselors, when you have people that are saying the church is not going to survive this or the church is really going through it, you need to stop and say, oh, but I know somebody that's still in control of the church. I know somebody who has the everlasting arms underneath. Destruction can be canceled by worshiping God. Destruction can be canceled by God's word. Destruction can be turned around by God's word. That's why we're here tonight. I hope I can encourage somebody tonight to make up their mind, you're going to live for God no matter what happens. No matter what happens in our world, no matter what happens in the church, we're going to live for God. We're going to stand when the world's on fire. We're going to make it. Oh, hallelujah. Matthew, the seventh chapter, the thirteenth verse, the Lord gave us these admonitions. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in their hat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. I just want to rejoice today that I'm so glad I found it out, as the song said. I'm so glad I found it. I didn't just happen on it. I really believe God has had his hand in my life. I believe God directed my steps. I don't say I'm a good man because there's no good, no one good but the Lord. And I know that I haven't been the best at times, uh, but I do know one thing. God's hand has been upon my life like he has been upon your life. And we need to thank him that his hand is upon us, that he guides us in the dark hours uh, and the struggles of life. And we don't listen to destructive counselors uh, that are always bad-mouthing the church or always bad-mouthing God or bad-mouthing his word. It doesn't live up to what it's supposed to be or it'll never happen like the Bible said. Oh, yes, it will. It'll happen just like the Lord said it would happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Beware false prophets, verse 15, which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth 
evil fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruit ye shall know them. He sent his word and healed them, Psalmist David said. Thank God for his word. It is a healer. It's a healer to hurt feelings. It's a healer to discourage feelings. It's a healer uh, to all the matters of life that bring disappointments. Uh, our God knows how to pick you up uh, at the worst time of your life and bring healing to you. The apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus. He had a bad attitude. He had letters in his pockets to destroy people. Put people in prison, kill people. He, he was on his way on a destructive path. He had listened to the wrong teachers. He was probably one of those that would have been chosen to be on the Sanhedrin Council. He was making his way to the top. Yet God saw him and said, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to call you out of that confusion. While he was going to Damascus with letters in his pocket to destroy and imprison and work against the kingdom of God, God knocked him down on the road. I don't know all the circumstances of it, but those that were with him didn't hear nor understand all that went on. They saw some things. They probably saw him picking himself up, but they didn't hear all the things that was going on for when Paul recognized what was happening, he recognized it not just as a climate change or some normal happening. He got up and said, Who art thou, Lord? You know, when things happen to us, instead of, instead of, Falling apart, and it's so easy to fall apart, and I understand that, but we need to stop and say, where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? God promised if we would stand strong, he would bring us through. He promised that he would bring right out of wrong. He promised that he'd bring deliverance out of bondage. Why not say, okay, God, where are you in all of this? We're going to walk with you, God. You give us the answer. So he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, make, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, Here's the, some of the answers he gave to him, what I, he wanted him to do. I want you to open the eyes with revelation. I want you to turn them from darkness to light. I want you to turn them from the powers of Satan unto the living God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. When, when Paul was knocked down on the road to Damascus, he could have cursed God. He could have accused God. He could have said, why is this happening? I'm doing a great cause for the Old Testament law. And he was thinking that way. 
I'm doing this for God. I'm going after those which would be heresy. But God knocked him down on the road, and instead of getting arrogant and working against God, he said, where are you in all this, God? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus. Here I am. Here I am. When you go through some struggles, you need to recognize that it may be the Lord trying to help you be stronger than ever before. This is hard advice when you're going through a struggle, and I realize that, but it's the answer to life. Where are you in all this, God? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus. I'm here. I'm here. I got something for you. Get your head up. I got something for you. A few years ago, a man by the name of Crocodile Hunter was famous for his courageous acts and sometimes stupidity. He wrestled with crocodiles, many other stunts. As the writer spoke of Paul, he wrestled with his own destruction. One day he was swimming with stingrays and it stung him and he never survived. There was a copycat in China. You can read this. Copycat in China that tried to wrestle with crocodiles like Crocodile Hunter. So he found a crocodile and he had watched Crocodile Hunter do similar things so he Stuck his arm down the crocodile's mouth, and the crocodile had lunch. You can't copy other people. You got to be yourself. You got to be yourself. He tried to copy him, and and he lost his arm. And of course, crocodile hunter lost his life, being always doing stunts, always out on the edge, always doing things that, that many people wouldn't do, but it got him one day. You know, it's not always the one that runs the fastest or tries to do the most that is the winner. It's the one that endures to the end. It's the one that makes it to the end. These five blessings that God spoke to Paul, actually Saul, while he was on the ground, is something that we need to learn but before I go there, I repeat to you Psalms 107:20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. It was a promise that the Apostle Paul had been given by God when he rescued him from destruction. You may be on the very road that takes you on a path downward of loss, of spirituality and godliness, but God knows how to rescue you and pull you up. He said to the Apostle Paul, this is what I want you to do, and I'm closing with this. He said, I want you to learn from what has happened to you today. I want you to take the knowledge that you've gained today to open the eyes of those with a revelation of truth. I want you to help them turn from their darkness and the paths of darkness to light. And I want you to help them be delivered from the power of Satan and turn them to a living God. 
And then he said that they may receive forgiveness of sins. I want to spend just a moment on this. There's nothing more powerful than an apostolic church when you come to the house of God and you do what God taught you to do in prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, acknowledging our supreme God, acknowledge him, know who he is. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we could realize that and be a part of that, we could be more productive as a church. We could see things happen in a church and know that everybody needs the blood of Jesus Christ today. Everybody needs their sins washed away. And we need to be a church that stands strong for that. So hallelujah. That they may receive forgiveness of sin. I'm sending you, Paul, from this fallen condition that you're in, this struggle of the ground to get back up and you're blind and you can't hardly see. But you got to go learn some things. But this is what I want you to do. And then he said, I want you to help them understand there is inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in the Lord. Stand with me as I repeat these. Paul, there's going to be destructive counselors with you. They're going to mock you, make fun of you. They're going to imprison you. They're going to leave you for dead. They're going to do all the things that would try to destroy you as a person. But remember, I've called you to open their eyes, to open their eyes with truth, to open their eyes with revelation and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto the living God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That really sums up, as in many other places, but sums up the real position of the church today. We have to be saved no matter what. We have to be able to help people, not blind them. We need to help them turn from darkness to light. That's what the church is all about. Be careful how you answer situations. It could be the destructive counsel to an individual that causes them to lose faith in leadership lose faith and hope in God's word, God's church, God's house. But we're here today because somebody helped us through our hour of darkness, through our struggles of life. There's individuals that I can thank that helped me through my struggles of life. Are you perfect? Oh no, I'm far from perfect, but I have a God that's perfect and a God that knows how to help us. Why don't you just lift your hands right now and thank God that he's called you out of a world of darkness. And I'm not going to listen to destructive counselors. I'm going to walk in peace and liberty in the word of God and in his truth. We're going to sing a song. And as we sing, these altars are open tonight. If you have an affliction in your body, 
The elders of the church are going to come in with anointing oil. They're going to pray for you, the sick. As the, on the board, maybe you just throw up the prayer request. And as we're praying at the close of this service, open the eyes of my heart. We need healing in this house. Open the eyes of my heart. We need healing in this house. We need healing. I want to see you. As they lay hands on you in the door.